I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm Curtis Jones. I am Cody Gagbo. Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time, it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment. Pre-order the new LFC 24-25 season Nike home kit now. You can pre-order it today for delivery from the 16th of May at your official LFC stores. Online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app. You will never walk alone. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Brighton 3, Liverpool 0 in the Premier League from the Amex Stadium are Jim Boardman and Dave Hendrick. Um, Dave, we had a few words there just before the mics went live for the show. Um, as despondent as people might think, uh, puzzled. Um, annoyed it's hard to kind of sum up but it's probably for me a mixture between those two a lot of confusion about how this could happen or be allowed to continue to happen I, I understand how it can happen for a spell but to be con- to con- continue to happen in such a, 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 a sort of flagrant fashion and then I can't help myself being annoyed about that as well. Maybe that makes me a shit fan, but I'm fucking furious, man. I, I don't like watching us do that. What's, what's your immediate takeaway? We have been bad for the majority of games this season, like varying degrees of bad in the majority of games. The odd good performance thrown in here and there. But since coming back from the World Cup break, we played Aston Villa. And we won the game, but we were, we weren't great. We were quite open. They had a number of chances. They could easily have gotten a draw. We played Leicester and we were absolutely shocking. And if Wood Faze doesn't do two of the maddest things you'll ever see, we lose that game. We played Brentford and we were awful. We played Wolves in the Cup. And we were awful and Wolves rightly felt ag- aggrieved that they had a perfectly good goal disallowed that would have won them the game. Those were all, you know, varying degrees of poor performances as what poor performances as was the city game in the league cup. They were all varying degrees of poor. This was something different though, Trev. This wasn't just a poor performance. This was a performance lacking in any real conviction. This was a group of lads that looked like they didn't want to be there. Mm. And I've posed the question on Twitter, and I'm going to unfortunately hijack your your setup here because I, I need us to discuss this. Have these players stopped playing for Jurgen Klopp? I don't think that's a problem at all. I think it's something that actually, to be honest with you, uh, follow, following a format 
feels almost false at this point because there's an awful lot of things we have we have to get off our chest and why don't I flick the question that you just posed straight to Jim Boardman and ask Jim how he feels about that the answer to that question because before and just to qualify it Dave I hope you won't mind me doing this and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong uh, on this particular thing but there will be, of course, Jim, an element of fans who will bristle at the very question that Dave has posed, um, citing character and the Liverpool way and whatever other cliches happen to fall out of the um, arse of their genes. Um, but it's a fair question when you see what was not just lethargic, but apparently disinterested sort of performance. What do you think might be the potential answer to Dave's question? And if you're going to spin it, where would you spin it? Well, it's interesting. I think at certainly the moment in the UK, there's a hell of a lot of industrial action going on, people going on strike because um, people in, in sort of government-related jobs being treated like shit. The train drivers are on strike. The nurses are on strike. That's how bad things are in the country. But, um, I mean, someone said to me something recently that um, if they can't try, because the governments are trying to clamp down on strikes and basically make them illegal. And what someone said to me, for example, with the rail industry, the best way, to um, sort of cripple the rail industry in an industrial action kind of way without going on strike is to work to rule because they wouldn't know what to do. And it feels like almost that's what Liverpool players are doing. They're going on the pitch and they're basically working to rule. They're not they're not working, you know, they're putting the most, most minimum contractual effort they possibly can. It won't say in the contracts you've got to try hard, play well, use a bit of brain and all the rest of it. They're just they're just um they're just looking lost. But I think more than that is I mean, it's almost as if we went there today and thought, right, we're playing Brighton. They're a team below us. They'll sit back and defend. So here's how we're going to play. And then when it turned out they weren't a team that was going to sit back and defend, we thought, oh, oh, well, well, what do we do now? None of the players knew. None of the staff knew. And Brighton just basically exploited us. I mean, I'm I'm just making sort of silly things up here, really, about, about what the problem is. I don't think you can put your finger on one thing. I think... I would love to go into the club now, blow a whistle and basically get everyone together and say, what the fuck is going on? Because somebody at the club really needs to do that and fast. Because these things, you can recover from the odd defeat. You can recover from a bit of a bad day. We've even recovered from bad performances in the second half of games. Ten minutes gone in this game, I wrote down FFS. And it was because I just thought, we, we, we are not here. There's no sign of us being at this game. It's, it's the worst I've seen us play in a long, long time. And I think probably maybe bar a couple of early days of early games when Klopp was manager, I don't think I've seen us play that bad for him. So to answer the question, we aren't playing for him. Yeah, Stoke 6-1 is very sort of similar. Stoke 6-1 where it was very clear that that group of players had given up on Brendan Rodgers, that that group of players were no longer willing to play for him. Now, it may not be that they're not wanting to play for Klopp. It may be other factors. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, I just, the question needs to be asked because so, it was, so Dave, it was brought so Dave. up by Paul Joyce recently yeah. in an article. Out of nowhere, it hadn't been talked about, it wasn't something being mentioned, and he brought it up almost as if that had been fed to him, that the what players way, were still willing to play for him. What way was it phrased, Dave? Because I didn't, I didn't come across that. It was, how did he phrase it? Let's see. Basically, he just said that there is no, yeah, something like there is no suggestion that the players have stopped playing for Klopp. Okay. Okay. Then right. why mention it like? Mm. Why mention it? No one was actually talking about it, but 
when he said it at the time, I started to look back at performances this year. And you can tell a lot by players' body language and commitment levels. And then Jurgen follows it up with the talk about, well, we're not winning enough challenges. And I saw some of the under pressure lads talking about the drop off in the challenges, the number of challenges that we're making. And, you know, we've, we've watched this season and we obviously look not to have a pop at them. It's just the title of the book. Pep Linders wrote a book called Intensity and how that was our identity. And it was a hundred percent fact. I, our identity was the intensity we played with. So either this collective of players are burnt out and just no longer capable, or they've just collectively stopped playing for this manager. We've seen in players like Virgil and Fab and Robbo a drop-off in the number of challenges that they're making per game and a number of uh, in, in how physical they are and in the way they used to go and dominate games. We're not seeing that anymore. We're not seeing the same effort to get back when we lose the ball. We're not seeing the same effort to go and just take the ball off teams. We don't see that anymore. So either, either the players are no longer capable of playing the way the manager wants them to play, though it must be pointed out he's no longer asking them to play the way they once did. What we see now from a tactical setup is not what we used to see, or they have stopped playing from. Both of them are massively problematic because do you trust Jürgen to go and rebuild this squad with the voices that are currently in his ear without Michael Edwards there as a guiding hand, without Ian Graham? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. It feels like we've not, we've not, is is it as well, Liverpool's best teams down the years have had a manager who's got a team behind him who all bring something to the mix, who all bring something, you know, the strict one, the nice one, the arm round the shoulder one, the quiet one that you think's great and then gives you the kick up the ass when you need it. Whatever you want to say, there's, as, a, as a team of management, a sort of management team, there's always been a really good together team. And I don't even know if they're all on the same page anymore, the management team. I just don't know. It just doesn't, just something's not right. And Yeah, that, that's, you know, what, that's what I was getting at, Jim. It has that feeling of, and it's, it's not, it's not to just, you know, throw a smoke grenade and run away because I don't want to engage with it. It just has that feeling of something greater, something more sort of basically existential around the whole setup. And Dave's alluding there to comparative effort levels. And I think Dave was on your Friday show, you went through the, the fall off in the stats around sprints and presses and, uh, long distance runs and all that kind of stuff. And it's not that they, 
have fallen away a little bit. They've fallen off a cliff. And what oh, yeah, that does is, what that, what that does is it corroborates the eye test that all of us, um, uh, have been able to witness quite clearly. And the three of us are talking about now in terms of, well, they don't seem by comparison with what they used to be arsed. So allow me now to further muddy the waters before we start talking about bigger issues around potential disillusionment or uh, staleness or whatever it happens to be. And let's just address this question, Jim. I'll start with you and hop it back to Dave because it's an important one because it will be the one that from the usual suspects and also people who just don't want to engage with the fact that there might be something very wrong. The the kind of folks who think a tweak or two here will fix it will say, Jim, look, they're exhausted. The cumulative effort over seasons and especially last campaign driving towards four trophies till the bitter end. Uh, they're exhausted. Now, somebody will be able to make a very wise a, 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 a little assertion there and say, well, then don't let your squad age to that extent and keep plenty of legs in the squad. But without just going that way, Jim, because that's a fair, a fair and correct pushback. But what do you make of this? They're exhausted, uh, line and uh, how does it sit with you? Because I'm not seeing this level of exhaustion, exhaustion, uh, anywhere else in the opposition that we face. Well, first of all, yeah, the, you, you can look at that and think, yeah, they look exhausted, but they're not exhausted. If they're exhausted, then why? What are we doing in training? What are we, are we, are we making them stay up late and watching movies? Or what are we doing? There's no excuse for them to be exhausted. They just had a week off. So like, I mean, that's a luxury. I know we've had. They just had six weeks off. Well, yeah. They, I mean, we, we've just had. I mean, we, we play, at times we're better when we play intensely, but the trouble is, it's, it's the same 11. It's the same people apart from the odd one that moves in and out. The squad's not big enough. It's not, a, it's not an excuse, by the way. I'm just saying you cannot blame it on tiredness. I think there is a thing about tiredness now that comes in and that can be sort of people can become mentally tired, you know, and if, if anyone's ever sort of suffered from depression, you can feel literally exhausted just from the depression and uncertainty and things like that can cause that sort of poor mental health. Is it a coincidence that we played one game before the World Cup for after the FSG our selling up announcement came out? I think that was announced on the 7th. I think we played Southampton and then won and then it was the World Cup. I think that was roughly speaking around that time. And then since then, we, we've just been poor, pathetic, looking like a load of employees, a load of employees that were wondering, if, well, it, you can't say footballers would be thinking this way, but if it was a company, people would be saying, is my job safe? Is it going to change? Are they going to change the hours? Are we going to make us move somewhere else? Is it going, all going to be the same? All this uncertainty can play in your head. Maybe there's another excuse. Whether it's an excuse or not, it's certainly a possibility. And although I'm not an FSG out person, I think they need to make the mind up. Are you selling or are you staying? If you're selling, yeah. sell. If you're staying, tell everyone you're staying. Stop pissing everyone about. I think the new hashtag should be FSG shit or get off the pot <laughs> because that is quite literally what um, is going through everybody's head. All sort of right-minded people are, will stop floating bullshit like that, which again, to use the word in the correct fashion, is an existential angst floating around the club about what are we, when are we going to change, what form format will this change uh, take, and so on and so forth. And Dave, let me fire that question back at you. It's it's kind of like I say, a sort of a googly in response to the question you posed about motivation. What about that idea of tiredness? Do you dismiss that utterly or is there validation to it? 
I think I don't think there can be physical tiredness. I just don't buy that there can be physical tiredness. They had a summer with no international football. We went into that season of 63 games off the back of a European Championships. The vast majority of our players then didn't go to the World Cup. There was only seven of them at the World Cup. Of those seven, Fabinho sat scratching himself for the majority and Trent sat scratching himself for the majority. So I don't buy that they can be physically tired. I I get the idea that they could potentially be mentally just drained and worn out. Now, there is the issue that the squad has been kept together too long and it hasn't been turned over. But like Jurgen comes out and said, oh, well, nobody's ever played 63 games in a season before. Well, see, Jürgen, the problem when you say things like that is that people can actually go and fact-check them. And in the 1988-89 season, Manchester United played 63 games. They won a treble. You the, know, league was, the league was four games longer a season then as well. They, it was, it was no, it was, it, was 38, it was 38. That season was 38. By then, yeah, it had changed for that year. I think the, that year or the year before. But it was, they played the Community Shield. They played three games... In the, uh, the League Cup, they went all the way in the FA Cup, including two replays, by the way. Uh, so I think eight games in it. They played 13 games in the European Cup, same as there is now. There was less knockout rounds, but there was a qualifying round to get in. And they played all 38 league games. So they played 63 games as well. And they wouldn't have been playing the kids in the Cups. No. I'm pretty sure they hadn't started that by then. And, it and, was, and the thing it was is, people 11. can say, Oh, well, you know, you didn't need 90-odd points to win the league. And that's fair enough. But the league was far more physically demanding back then. You didn't have the question goals. is the, the, the question is what happened to them the season after, right? They won because the league title, Trev. They won go. the league that's, title. They won the World Club Cup. Eight. They went out in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. I think they've been, they didn't play in the FA Cup because they went off to Brazil, if you remember, the that World Cup club. But yeah, they, they won the league while also taking a two-week sojourn to go to Brazil to play in the World Club Cup. So they didn't fall off because Ferguson wouldn't have allowed them to fall off. And as Simon Brundage pointed out, the average age of that United team in 99 was about 25. The average age of our team last season was about 28. That's problematic. When you're one of the oldest squads in the league, you need to start regenerating. And we have obviously an attack. We have less so in defence. Even though Trent and Robbo are still quite young, Robbo's 28, Trent's 24, they've still played an awful lot of football. Matip is still there. He's 32 now, starting to break down physically. He was very poor again today. He's been poor for most of the season. We've changed things up front, for better or worse. And the issue is we haven't changed the midfield. Now, we saw United win league titles and then sell important players. They won league titles. They didn't win a league title one year, and they sold Paul Ince. Paul Ince was an England regular, one of the best midfielders in the league, and they sold him. Andre Kinchelskis was the best right winger in the Premier League, and they sold him at 27 years of age because Ferguson thought he'd wrung every single drop out of him that he could. And as you see from Kinchelskis' post-United career, he was right. Jürgen has held on to certain players too long. Is the sentimentality from, from Jürgen? That's what worries me, because I know back in the day of, say, Bob Paisley being a manager, that Liverpool had some absolute heroes as players, and then they'd leave, and they'd leave when they were still good. Yeah. And it was because he'd spotted 
aha, right, we've just seen the very first sign. They're not not 100% anymore. We're only getting 98, 97 out of them now, and it's not quite what we want. Let's sell them. Let, let them have their decline somewhere else. And he else. had a very famous phrase of let players' legs go on someone else's wage bill. Yeah. No, he, 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 he had a ruthless streak to him. The nicest man in the world, but a ruthless streak. You look at the manager before him, Bill Shankly, <laughs> once walked up to Tommy Smith, a club icon, the club captain, and said, what's wrong with you? And he said, my knee hurts. And he says, what do you mean your knee? Yeah. Because these men were ruthless. Ferguson was ruthless. Saki was ruthless. Capello, Mourinho, Guardiola. These are ruthless individuals. And Jürgen, because of his incredible loyalty as a human being, which is probably the best strength he has as a human being, it's also his biggest weakness as a manager. In 2021, Jordan Henderson had just had a torn abductor muscle that had caused him to miss the last four months of the season. That was his fourth season-ending injury since Klopp had taken over. Michael Edwards did not want to give him a new contract. Henderson went to the media about it. The story ran in the Athletic. Fans threw their arms up and said, well, what are we doing? It's our captain. And Klopp went and forced through a contract extension for him. No other manager would have done that. Because it was clear he was already declining. He just had yet another serious injury. And we have watched 18 months of the most appalling form from that player. And today, he was an abomination as he was against Wolves, as he was against Leicester. Now, he's not the only one. Bobby Firmino has not been consistently good since we won the European Cup. He's more injury prone now. He's 31. He's clearly declining. And... Any other manager would be saying, Bobby, thank you for everything you've done, but we're not going to renew you. But Klopp is there pushing for a contract renewal. Naby Keita, James Milner, well, James Milner's a different case, but whatever. Naby Keita and Oxlade Chamberlain will leave the club on freeze in the summer. Both of them should have been sold two years ago. Ginny left. When it became clear into the last 12 months Ginny wasn't going to sign a new contract, should have been sold. Same with Naby Keita, or same with Emery Chan, same with Alberto Moreno, same with Adam Lallana. Like, we keep these players, and you can't come out and say, we only spend what we generate, and then allow players endlessly to run their contracts down, and then turn around and say, oh, well, I'll never ask a player to leave if they don't want to go. There's you, a must very, know, you must know two years before a contract, so whether you want that player to stay and whether that player wants to stay. Exactly. And if you've not, if you've not sewn it up then, then you go before you get anywhere near that 12 months time. And you don't you know. renew a player based on a bit of decent form in the final year of their contract, Not unless if they've been poor for previous years, because they're just playing for the contract renewal. And if they're not, I, I would say maybe one thing that would Bob Paisley would do different in today's game is some of these players that are on the decline would have been basically put onto new contracts where you're now a backup player. You're not even necessarily my second choice. But if you don't mind having a lower wage, I know what you can do. Every now and again, if we're struggling with injuries, you'll come in. And the trouble is, we haven't got whether whether you use old players for that or you use sort of I don't know lesser players, you know, twelve million pound players rather than trying to buy a load of sixty million. We've got no one to come in when there's injuries. There's no. It's not just about getting the marquee signings. We're not even getting the sort of um, the sort of backup signings, and we're not we're, we're using the, the kind of people who could be backup players as our main players. And so it, it, it's it's been a long time coming. It's been a like long like I said, if, if, if we look at it, Dave, as a business. Um, and football, like everything else, 
we look at it that way. Um, essentially, it is a transactional scenario. Yeah. And what you've got here is you've got what, what you're driving the bus towards is the fact that Klopp is using and expending an awful lot of his hard-earned capital in terms of his um, influence, uh, so well-earned, so well-deserved on decisions that are not necessarily benefiting the group and may in fact be impairing the group. That's basically the point that you're making there, that that capital is being spent, that um, the, 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 the uh, sort of decision-making from on high is being influenced by Klopp in ways that aren't necessarily beneficial to us and possibly have impaired us. And that they, they might the, be beneficial to the harmony of the group. Which is a different thing. But they're not beneficial on the pitch. They're not beneficial on the pitch. He went, he went to bat for Henderson and Henderson got a four year contract at pay rights. So if he can do that for Henderson and he can potentially push through a deal for Firmino, you're telling me that if he went to the owners and said, listen, this is how it is. I need new, I need money. I need money to spend. We need players in, not in the summer. We need players in now. Or I have to start looking at my future. Does anyone really think they go, oh, well, fair enough, jog on then. Not yeah, a chance. But, but, if, because, but if, he's, if he's already gone to, the, to, to that well three or four times and said, um, threatened that all of those things. Uh, if 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 Hendo isn't re-upped, if Bobby isn't re-upped, if we don't give contract to X, Y, and Z, then you know that gets tired, and then you're not listened to as much the next time, or you're told, okay, but don't come back at me again. That's what I mean by transactional, and that's why it is very possible that any a lot of the goodwill or a lot of the potential um, influence may already have been spent in ways that haven't necessarily improved us as a team. And I think that's possibly, it's, it's, that's it is very possible. It is it's very possible. The, the thing is though, Trev, like, so let's, let's just say it's not a case that the players haven't stopped playing for them. Let's just say it's that the players are just spent. Let's just say that they're done and that there's a, a rebuild needed. So the first big question is, do you trust Jurgen to do it? If you do, you're trusting him based on, what you think of him, not any track record because he's never done it before. You're also trusting that he can make these decisions now, which he has no track record of doing because he had Zork at Dortmund when they built that team together. He had Edwards at Liverpool when they built that team together. He doesn't have that person at Liverpool now to help him build a new team. But I was looking at... I was, now, look, others will have other people, but if you look at our entire squad, now take out anybody that's, say, 19 and under. Take out any of the kids. So Harvey, Fabio, Basetic, Doak, anybody like them or younger, they're obviously players that you keep. But of the senior players, of those 21 and over, Alison Trent, Ibu, Virgil, Thiago, Diaz, Jota, Darwin, Salah, Gakpo. Is there anyone else that you wouldn't at least take a phone call on? Like, if Andy Robertson, who's now 28, if someone rang and offered you 40 million, I think you have to consider it. If someone offers you money for Joel Matip, Fab- Fabinho, 
I think you have to do it. But the problem is, is there going to be a market for these players? And if not, we're weighed down by these big, heavy contracts for the next few years with no way of getting rid of these players and a built-in excuse for the owners of, well, we can't afford to take on any more wage. Why Why can clubs like, say, I'll name two just completely random clubs, why can Brentford and Brighton find players that can make our players look so ordinary mm. on a fraction of the money that we spend? Now, why is that? Why are they finding I'm not saying we should necessarily go out and buy all their players, but they're finding players and they're not spending anything like the money we're spending and they're not the only club. So, you know, we, we, we sort of all go crazy that we want this massive amount of money spent on some massive marquee signing, you know, and there's all these names bandied about all through the year, but we're not even finding these these little gems. You I know, don't know whether we're gems, not finding you know? them or there's just pushback on the idea of signing them. Yeah. Because, you know, you look at Moises Caicedo today. He is absolutely monster of our midfield mm-hmm. from minute one to the final whistle. And he's done it at a canter never really seeming to put in too much effort, just enough effort because all it took was just enough. He cost three and a half million. We could have bought him. Mm-hmm. For some reason, we didn't. How old is he? He's 21 now. So it's in, not even that November, argument that they won't... 21. The old argument they won't buy older players, you know? Yeah. You know, he's definitely Matoma, not that. who... Now, look, there's a lot of people that wrongly accuse Trent of not being able to defend. Uh, those people are idiots, but those people just got uh, 85 minutes or however long Matoma was on the pitch, 85 minutes worth of what they will consider porn, that they will watch endlessly over and over again while going through countless boxes of tissues and bottles of lube. Matoma just ruined Trent. Absolutely tortured him and Matip and anybody else that came close to him. He made he Trent look 34, didn't he? He made Trent look 34. You yeah. know, not, not 24. Not 24. Just ran away from him. He cost three and a half million. Alexis McAllister cost four and a half million. Now, they're not coming. Now, obviously, the, I don't know what the real quality of the Ecuadorian league is, but McAllister came from the Argentinian league, which is a really good quality league. Mm-hmm. Matoma came from the J league in Japan, which again is a really good quality league. But we seem to have this really snobbish, view that we can only buy from certain leagues and we've only recently expanded into Portugal before that it was France it was Germany and it was England really the odd player from Italy in in shape of Moa and uh, and Ali but we seem to have a very narrow approach and whether that's because there's a belief among the training staff that only players who, who are used to playing at a certain level can adapt to what we are looking to do if so, that's fair enough. But we couldn't, as well as signing those players, also go and buy a few Caicedos and Matomas and develop them to be those players you mentioned, Jim, who are mm-hmm. on lower wages and can step in when we need them. And Jesus Christ, look what they can do. So now we might as well make them a first-choice player. But that's the thing. If you, if you bring them in and you don't need them because everyone that's expensive and, and, and sort of um, prestigiously named players, all of these players that you've got are fit and firing and scoring and defending and doing everything you want them to do, and these players end up not making it for you. Well, I feel sorry for the player, but from the close point of view, you've not had, you've, it's fine because you, you've had, you've had the, the, the money out of, your money's worth out of your, your expensive players. But when, it, when they're not fit and firing, 
then you've got someone that can breathe down the neck. You've got someone that can come in. You've got someone that can, can just keep your, keep you going, get you through these. When you have got, when you have got an excuse to say your players are tired because you've got games coming every, every few days, you've got players that can come in and help. You've got, when players are starting to maybe look like they're going to get an injury, they've been overused. You've got players who can come in. And as you say, if when they come in, they take their chance with both hands, you've got a bargain and you've suddenly looking like a load of geniuses. Let me try to get us back on track for the second <laughs> half hour. But we'll do it just with a couple of quotations from Jurgen Klopp where he says, doing better than today should be easy because this is a really low point. I cannot remember a worse game, said Jurgen. And then to contextualize the last half hour of chat between us, quote, I had absolutely no sign for this performance before the game. There was nothing I thought yesterday or this morning that it could happen. Now, that's the end of the quote. On Thursday, myself and Jan did our show, and Jan, for the first time ever, predicted that Liverpool would uh, lose a game since we started the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because he said, there's nothing about this game I like the look of. Most of us had at least an inkling that this could happen. It is odd, very odd. And it could be just post-match press conference bullshit. So when he says silly things, uh, give him the benefit of the doubt in both ways. Maybe it's a silly thing he's saying to just fill the air. But the admission that he couldn't have seen it coming and there was no signs. Mate, what what, what games are you watching? That's really worrying. Did you not watch the Brentford game? Did you not watch the Leicester game? Do you not pay a whole bunch of analysts to rewatch those games and bring stuff to you and go, look, Jurgen, here's a really worrying fucking trend that our midfield is absolutely dog shit. Like, if you can't see it, here's the numbers that back it up. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I, I, I just... Wonder think- if, I wonder if in training he's only been using the young lads, because, I mean, to, to, give, to give a little bit of credit... 20 minutes as Jordan Henderson did in 70. That last bit of the game when those subs came on was the best we looked all game. Well, and because, because of the kids, basically. It was actually a little bit of pressing going on, so we actually mm. looked a little bit more like our old intense identity. Was, I saw hunger and desire, and yeah. I haven't seen any of that up until then. It's remarkable. That, that, that quote just rattled me when I saw it, especially in the context of what we've been speaking about for half an hour. Let's just do the needful, and we'll go through it very quick in terms of the details of this match, because nobody wants to dwell too long on it. But I do, I do want to dwell on um, some of the low points. There's no point in us pretending that there are high points for us to address. There aren't. Um, Jim, I'll start with you with some of the incidents in the first half. Uh, early on, um, they looked exactly like they would continue to look. Uh, Lalana drew a free kick. There was a defensive header needed by Fab in about three minutes and 40. Um, a chance then on seven where March cut in from the right and curled one at goal, but Trent cleared it. Uh, and Trent is moving towards his own goal, so it kind of could have gone anywhere. That goes for a corner. And from that corner, McAllister heads, but Allison catches the ball above his head. That's the first eight minutes. Nine minutes, another chance. They opened it up again. This time, um, it's uh, on Robbo's side of the field. The ball is in to Ferguson, who couldn't get his feet right. It's a great opportunity that they had. They cut us right open in nine minutes. We look ropey. Um, we're second up to almost everything. We're not winning second balls, which is one of those signs that Jurgen could possibly have picked up on from the Brentford game and others. Um at this point, I've written down, Jim, that it's amazing uh, how in this particular game where we've managed to tweak our system so that now Thiago is not involved at all. 
which is great, right? That's great because at least when he was sitting towards the base of the midfield with Fab, he was getting on the ball and trying to make things happen. He had to come deep looking for the ball as the match went on. And as a result, actually made a few sloppy passes, which is atypical for him. Let me keep, keep with it here. Cause like I say, um, you can, you can pick and choose what you want to respond to. Uh, yellow for set on 17 minutes for Joel, who had to take out Mitoma, who, as Dave said earlier on, roasted himself and Trent on that flank. Uh, Trent usually gets at least one good one, one v one, even if a, a defend, uh, an attacker is, is putting him under pressure. No such thing today. Uh, on 19 minutes, we had our first move of the game. 19 minutes in, um, Ali threw the ball out, got clocked as he did so. Mo found Ox, who found, nearly found Cody Gakpo. A little bit of a flow to it a little bit of a sign that we could actually play some football uh, but it wasn't a shot at the end um, we needed Ibu throughout that whole opening 20 minutes to be sliding and blocking and throwing himself into things um, Gakpo did have a shot on 23 minutes uh, after excellent work by Ox and Mo um, rare little bits from both of them on 25 Mo Salah took a wild shot on his right foot went miles over the bar it was never going to go in it really felt like the most tokenistic thing you've ever seen um we needed ibu again to be excellent 26 minutes he's charging down the channel reading the game unlike the rest of his pals uh to cut out uh mitoma as he's making an attack there on that side 27 uh mo actually drives across over sanchez gets to the rebound trent then crosses the ball to Ox, but he can't get there with his foot. Um, and it's at least a moment of threat, but again, no strike on target. 28 minutes, another chance this time. Uh, Caldwell plays the ball down the channel to Matoma, and he pulls a shot across goal. 29, we pick up our second yellow. This time it's Henderson, who comes through the back of Caicedo, uh, who seemed to have hurt his shoulder for a while. The um, B in Sports commentary team uh, were uh, summarizing or, or, or surmising rather whether or not he had hurt his ankle, which got caught in the turf while all this, the physios are, are treating his shoulder. Remarkable lads. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Joel again Joel put in a really good tackle uh, against Matoma on 32 minutes there are a lot of these last ditch tackles needing to go in on 36 another Matoma cross ended up uh, in Ali's hands 38 a ball through again to Matoma another dangerous cross it's dealt with and that pretty much is the story of the first half for me because my stream cropped out i was following down on the minute by minute on another website that i have opened at the same time in case my stream does crop out so that the 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 story of that first half is very much us under the cosh them very much pressure pressuring us and looking as if they can cut through us at will jim and us not mustering a shot on target never mind a shot of note even off target it was a damning enough sort of affair when i summarize it in that way yeah, I mean, I wrote I wrote stuff down, and you can tell when you look back on it, you sort of think, "Why did I write this on nine minutes?" Trent almost finds finds Gakpo. Like that's that was the highlight after nine minutes that we'd almost found one of our front men. Um, it, it was like that. Fifteen minutes I've written down possession at the time. I went and checked it. It was sixty-eight thirty-two after fifteen minutes. Sixty-eight thirty-two, and that that just made me. What the hell is going on with this team that that is how bad we are? But in truth, what kept happening over and over, like rinse and repeat, was 
one of us would maybe win the ball back or, or they'd mess up and the ball would go out, whatever, we'd have possession. Seconds later, we didn't. And it just kept happening. We kept losing possession. I'm wondering if there's a record for losing possession in the most imaginative ways because we we found every way possible to lose it. Um, there was that, that foul on Ali, I think. I mean, it was maybe accidental and we did nearly get that, that chance. So many sort of nearly moments, but they had more. Um, 22 minutes, we still hadn't had an attempt on goal. You know, half of a half had gone. I'm not even, we haven't even had a sort of, you know, a, a badly hit over the bar kind of stupid speculative effort. We'd done nothing. And then Cody had his chance just then, which 23 minutes to get a chance is, it's just, why that alarm bells were ringing for every single Liverpool fan watching that. Yeah. In the, in the dressing room or on the, on the dugout, there was, there was nothing, nothing, no sort of idea to react. It doesn't help that there's nothing on the bench to react with, but that, that was just, that was just it. And every single part of that game, we were second best. Every single part. But at the time, I think we were even third best. You know, we didn't even come second in that game. <laughs> we that bad. No, we didn't. You know, and I've written down time. poor referee. On 20 minutes, I've written down poor referee. But in the end, we were so shit, we were actually worse than the referee. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Fair. I said at half time, the only two positives that came out of that first half were that, that they hadn't scored and that Kanate mm. was having an exceptional game. He was, he was yeah. having to. He was yeah. having to make challenges at right back, at left back. He was playing centre back by himself. He was having to deal with runners through from midfield. Like, he was literally yeah. holding us together by himself. I think, I mean, and if I was going to defend Joel, I'd say you got that booking and that must have played a part on, on everything he did. But, but why did you, you know, get that booking, Jim? Well, how, well, and, and why wasn't he subbed off? Well, we haven't got anyone to sub him off with. Well, you know. so Trev mentioned that, that Henderson foul on Caicedo that got him the yellow card. That was the first actual challenge that Henderson made in the entire, in the entire first half. That was the first challenge he made. He had been run around seven times. Seven different times before that, Brighton players had literally just run around him as he, as he kind of tried to shuffle his feet across and get himself going. Seven times. I decided today that I was going to amuse myself with what I'm terming hoof tracker. And I thought, (laughs) I'll keep track of Jordan's random hoofs today. Oh, there were some good ones. 12 seconds. The first hoof of the game. (laughs) <laughs> five minutes in he's had three touches in the ball two of them have been aimless hoofs to nobody a third one accompanied by a tantrum on 15 minutes a tantrum because nobody made a run 
into a space where none of our players were and didn't understand that that's the only thing he could do. Uh, he, did he, did he look? Did he look before any of the moves? No, because no, I'm wondering, is he just like not getting his hoofs on target? No, he's just he hoofing them aimlessly to get the right. ball away from himself. Yeah. Another hoof on 33 minutes. Another one on 34 minutes. Uh, a left-footed hoof, that one. And a sixth hoof on 38 minutes. And at that point, it just became too fucking painful. And I stopped counting how many times they ran around him and how many times he aimlessly hoofed the ball. And it wasn't just him. I mean, we decided to use Thiago because McAllister had been running around Henderson. The reaction from the bench was, Thiago, you go man-mark him. So we took our best on-ball midfield player and turned him into a man-marking defensive midfielder. You have you think that happened in game, Dave? Because it yes. seemed to me as if Thiago was further ahead than he normally is oh, in he terms was. of in terms of in terms of uh, when we had the ball uh, right from the start. So I was wondering, was that some sort of new it, tweak? Uh, it seemed like we decided tweak? to try and play some sort of weird diamond with Henderson and Oxley Chamberlain. Yeah, I, was, I couldn't I couldn't suss the formation out because we we weren't. We weren't 4-3-3, were we? No. Well, we weren't anything, really. No. We were kind of one at the back, Fabinho kind of in midfield by himself first half, and then nothing up front, really. Like, you could make the claim we played a diamond based on, you know, at the average position of our players in the first half, but the problem with that is that Cody Gakbo was kind of playing right of central up front, and Mo was still playing as a right winger. And we had nothing down the left. Pascal Grouse is an attacking midfielder that they played at right back today. And we never, never once did we challenge him. Never once. Didn't take him on, didn't do anything. Just let him run the game from right back. They had two in midfield. We allegedly had four in midfield. If you want to count Lalana, they had three. And yet their three... Just popped the ball off and ran around. Adam Lalana looked like fucking Zidane. Oh, you'd have That's to. Yeah, you'd have to down, was Lalana ever that good for us? Never. No, you, you have to count Lalana. Lalana actually, this is the biggest. No, but I'm saying you could you could look at him as a second striker or as a midfielder based on the area he played, and so you count him in midfield. They had three, but we still had four. But he was playing up alongside Ferguson for large parts and pressing our centre backs. So they just had two, and they were just knocking the ball around and strolling past our midfielders, just laughing at us. There was times like, when they looked like they had more players than us because they'd have four players surrounding. Say Salah maybe got a ball, a decent ball to him, and then there'd be four players around him. He'd have a look who he could pass to. There was no one. No, there was no one anywhere near. Yet, you know, how 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 can they look so full of players and we look so short of players when there's 11 each on the pitch? Adam Lallana is doing drag back passes, which are th- which are through balls of the highest caliber, and you are sitting there, uh, 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 listener, and you're wondering what is it that is occurring here? What is occurring? Because that 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 is very much the question I found myself with at halftime. I thought, as Carl Match had said at the end, we were lucky to get nil in that first half, and I also think that if we're being perfectly honest. When you assess what we did creatively, when you look at what we did with the exception of Ibu defensively, uh, and probably Ali, because it's always Ali, um, there's literally nothing to that performance. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and again, I ask the question, why is it 
and you guys both mentioned this earlier on, that comparatively ordinary squads, when they get a situation that they have to adapt because of injury or whatever, they can dig in, they can adapt their tactics, and they can look bloody impressive. They might introduce a kid who's full of beans, maybe start Ben Doak instead of fricking Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain on the left side of the attack. What is that? Why would you do that? I mean, it's not that I, it's not that, it's not that I, I, I dislike the kid. I, I wanted Alex to be great. He hasn't. Yeah. He's no. not going, he's never going to be. And yet we have. And you're guaranteeing it by keep playing him like that. 100%, yeah. man. That's the one place he's going to be at his least effective. We know that. So here's the thing, right? If you look at that team that started for us, Ali, Trent, Joel, Ibu, Robbo, Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago, Salah, Gakpo, and Ox, right? You would, I think, say that is eight of, of Jurgen Klopp's preferred 11. Absolutely. You bring, you bring Virgil in for one of the two centre backs, whichever one, because I think they're about, I think Matip and Knat are about even for, 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 for Jurgen. And, and, and as things stand, that's not much of an improvement the way Virgil's playing. So no, like, just yet. Definitely no. Not. And then you've got Darwin would come in up front. Yep. And then the left sided one would either be Diaz or Jota. Or you could make an argument that because we've just signed him, maybe he'd fancy Gakpo, but let's just say it's Diaz or Jota. So we're missing three starters, whatever way you want to look at it. But it's not like Brighton had a full strength 11. Pascal Grouse is playing right back. Joel Feltman is there starting right back. Levi Caldwell is a kid. He's 20. He, they have him in on loan. Their starting centre backs are And he, he was Wesley. great, by the way. Caldwell was He's splitting our defence open with passes. <laughs> Have we but, not got a Michael Owen or a Robbie Fowler sitting in the reserves? I, I, I've not long since not been keeping up to date with the under-23s or whatever they call it these days. But have we not got a kid that we can say, you know what, you can't be any fucking worse than some ben of these Doak. that we're playing. Ben Doak has yeah. to be the one. Yeah. yeah like, um, we're missing three starters. They're missing two starters. The other thing They're is not at full strength either. And Trossard, who tore us apart at Anfield, is out of the squad because of a disciplinary issue. Yeah, he'd that, probably be starting as well. He'd just be getting, he'd probably be getting a new contract as well, wouldn't he? Let's face it, where there was a disciplinary issue. If, <laughs> if you think about it, if, if you say to, okay, let's, let's be nice about it and say, yeah, these injuries are a bit of a shitter, aren't they? We've lost a lot of front men. And if they, if we had the front men, then there'd be so much competition up front that these players would be like doing the best week in, week out because they'd know that someone could come in, take that place off them. And if there is a, a big final or any, anything else like that in the season, they're going to be the one missing out if they don't perform. So I, I get you can sort of, you can say, right, fair enough. That's true. What the hell's going on in midfield then? Because there isn't anyone missing from midfield, particularly, no, is there? Everyone's fit. Is anyone? Everyone's yeah. fit. Milner's back in training. Uh, Jones is on, like, you're not going to start Milner. You're not going to start Curtis Jones. You're not starting, uh, Harvey. The, the only one that could come in, that should have come in, is Nabi should have started instead of the captain. Well, and the, lad we, and the lad we've never seen play that's on loan. The lad, yeah, we've never seen. Yeah. Play. And, and, oh, yeah, and he's I, the one who's had injured. Yeah, the, the fellow that was brought in as a panic signing. Allow mm-hmm. me to not to not require either of you to put your esteemed analytical uh, reputations on the line. And allow me to say one simple thing. In the wake of what you've just been saying about the avail- availability of midfielders, can we then maybe double down on the fact that that is the fucking problem right yeah. there? 
because we have plenty of good attacking footballers. And if we had a strong midfield, you could ease Ben Doak in if we'd been having a rough run of things and give him a game uh, as the only introduction into a new team like we did with Harvey Elliott and see what happens. And you could afford to do that, but you can't afford to do that because the whole unit in the center of our, our our park is not a thing that works and that's just a real problem and as the second half started jesus christ dave could it have been more dramatically awful i mean you're looking at uh, a grand total of seven minutes have passed and we're two nil down on it uh, within one minute of the second half beginning we're one nil down. It's it's Sonny March. Uh, McAllister gets onto a loose ball out of defence from Joel um, Matip. Joel was under pressure from uh, my neighbour there, Young Ferguson. Um, he plays the ball uh, into uh, McAllister does play the ball into Lalana, helps it onto Matoma, helps the ball across to the far post and March has a tap in. Um, it's one of those goals where when it's scored against you, you feel like, well, we've been cut open there. Why didn't we do a bit better? I don't know. Maybe there's an argument to be made that it's a wonderful play by them on a counter having uh, intercepted a pass and we just got turned around real quickly. However, uh, at that point, we're given the statistic by the BN Sports Boys that at this stage, we have, in our last 35 games, conceded the first goal in 21 of them. Uh, Jürgen hasn't seen a sign, Dave, you see, that anything is going wrong. Uh, on 52 minutes, we're two goals down. It's March again, for the love of Christ. I think he scored one goal in his career. You know what I mean? This is not a goal scorer, but he scores two goals because, of course, he's up against Liverpool. Ferguson again with a through ball. Um, to the edge of the D. March is running away from right to left. Looks like he's drifted a bit wide, but he wraps his left foot around it, hits a beautiful finish back where it came from, back to the far post, inside that far post, whistled inside it, across alley. Uh, a tremendous finish, but again, you want to see two things. You want to see him not getting that shot away, and you want to see a little bit better when it comes to dealing with a young Irish kid who's sort of swanning around there and sliding through balls. You'd like to see a little bit of someone maybe taking him out of it. Um, There'll be no taking out Betty's Town's finest let me tell you that, that boy is made of sterner stuff than to be taken out by some soft lad in red. Uh, is it hyperbole to suggest that Evan Ferguson might be the best number nine in the world? I don't think it is. <laughs> and I think that's the uh, that's the agenda that we'll be running in future. Um, you know, he's the freedom of the park. It's a lovely ball. It's a lovely ball and the strike. Like he, The ball gets stuck under his feet and he has to properly dig that shot out. And it just arrows past Ali. But I mean, for the first goal, if anyone can locate Andy Robertson, I, I'd love to know where he went. I assume that as soon as Joel played the ball out, Robbo did what Robbo does and took off to create width on the left. If that was Albi Moreno, there'd be 20 minutes on Monday Night Football to slaughter him, but Robbo will probably get away with it. Um, it it's shocking. I, I don't, both goals are really poor from our point of view. I mean, Joel plays the ball behind Henderson. Henderson can't adjust himself because his body weight's going one way, so he can't get back, and then he doesn't really make an effort to try and get back and help out. Joel is all over the place. 
once the ball gets to Matoma, it's it's game over because March is is wide open and Matoma's had Trent's life for the entire game to that point. Um, it's really well worked from them, but it's awful from us. The second one, again, really, really well worked from them. Awful from us. So much space. So much space everywhere. Like, they could have set up marquees and had their friends over. And none of our players would have troubled them. They would Nobody would have knocked in to ask them to keep the noise down or anything. <laughs> it was just a fucking shambles. <laughs> but the thing that gets me, Trev, the second, like, first of all, how was there no changes made at halftime? Oh. How have you watched that first 45 and thought, yeah, no, that's fine. Carry on, lads. Carry on to do a bit more of the same. And then on the hour mark, you shit the bed and put on four lads because well, 53 obviously. 53 minutes, right? 53 minutes that second goal goes in. The time for change has arrived, Jurgen. The time to lose your fucking shit, grab any five off the bench and fuck them onto the field for whatever five you can grab by the hair and drag off. Because bar Ibu, every one of them would have warranted dragging off by the head. And he sits there. And he looks bemused. Oh, oh, I didn't expect this. There were no signs this was going to happen. 16 minutes passed. That's one-sixth of the entire match. You just stand there looking bemused. Do you know what? That's another worry with me, that he's looking bemused like that. It's not Jurgen Klopp. It feels like he's being kidnapped. Has he been and space someone. No, <laughs> Is this some sort of government operation? <laughs> Did Where the actually, Germans have taken him back and sent over a doppelganger. Did he actually change expression at all? Because the only one I saw was that bemused one, and I'm wondering, was it just somebody with a mask on? I mean, We're gonna get to exactly it. We're gonna get to like late April when top four is officially gone, and he's gonna peel back the mask and to reveal that it's actually like Ferguson Gary or Gary Neville or fucking Phil Neville, because it's Phil Neville type management that we're seeing right now. To be honest, if Phil Neville managed us to try yeah. and make us worse, we'd probably be better because he'd be bad at that. Oh, wouldn't he, so. lads. I, I, I just, oh. I don't know how the second goal goes in and your immediate reaction is not right. Let's get things changed. This is not working. I might have thought at half time, I got it wrong. Fuck it. Nabby, Ben, you, whoever you are, come here. You're going on at any three. Just run on and throw three lads off. Whoever you get close to, just tell them to get off. Doesn't matter. If it's the referee, tell him as well. See if a Brighton player fuck off as well, because they <laughs> seem to have 14 out there and we've only got 10. Like, it's, it's just, it's bafflingly poor management to just stand there. And Linders is there looking fucking like bemused as well. Uh, that's, a, that's another thing as well, right? I've, I've been thinking about this is, has, has he got too many yes men around him? Because no matter how good you are, we, we, no matter how good you think you are, everyone's wrong at some point. Everyone misses things. Everyone screws up, has mm. bad days, has bad months, bad years, whatever. And if in a good team or a good partnership, even, you know, if, if you're married or whatever, the other person in the partnership, in the team turns around and says, you've been a bit of a dickhead. You, yeah. you realize, you know, you, you, do you really think this is the right thing to do? But it feels as though everyone's just yes men. You well, know, like in, they, in every walk of life, no matter what you're doing, stupid. you need to have someone that tells you, like, you're doing a shit job here. And that would have like, happened in the boot room in the days gone by. And even Ferguson, for all these mouthy sort of I'm the, I'm the king and all the rest of it, even he would have had people who would have yeah. tried to just pull him to one side and questioned him, you know. Well, that's the and thing. It, you know. He always had somebody. And when, like, Ferguson's thing was, 
well, I'm not going anywhere. So I'll change the players and I'll change my staff. But bar Buvach leaving and Linders coming in, it's uh, uh, Linders becoming you know more prominent. It's the same coaching staff that walked through the door seven years ago. Other areas, things have changed. But again, they've all changed to people that Jürgen has brought to the club. So everybody that's there answers basically to him. Julian Ward kind of answers to him now as well because he doesn't have the gravitas that Mike, that Michael Edwards has. The owners aren't going to say anything. Mike Gordon, who might have been the one to come down from on high and say to Jürgen, look, what the fuck's going on here? He's gone. So who is there at Liverpool that can question Jürgen? There's nobody there. Like, in, in every walk of life, no matter what you do, there has got to be somebody in your life that says, you can do a little bit better with this, or that wasn't particularly good. Like, as you said, you, you, I, I'll do the hoovering, and I'll think, I've done a fucking bang-up job. And my <laughs> missus comes in and goes, uh, you missed there, 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 and what the fuck is that? Like, I'll do a podcast, I've got two <laughs> mates that listen to everything I do, fucking fair play to them, and they'll text me, and they'll be like, today was shit. And I'll be like, fair enough. At least there's some, because, like, there's somebody holding me accountable. It makes no difference. Like, my podcast doesn't affect anything. But him being bad at his job does affect things. Yeah. It does. And he's, he's not, he's having a stinker of a season. He's an all-time great manager. There's no doubt he's fucking brilliant. But he's having a stinker of a season. And he's going to have that realisation that sometimes you have, that you get to the end of a long day and you suddenly realise that your fly's down and yeah. no bastard told you. How long's that That's been? Why like that? That's you know? right, yeah. That's yeah. why everyone's laughing. Maybe he needs there. to bring Ula to work with him. Because <laughs> I'm sure when he fucks about at home and leaves his slippers in the wrong spot or burns the dinner or whatever, she probably has a golden for that. Yeah, I so maybe bring him. her in and just have, him, have her go around henpecking him around the office or something. I believe he's always leaving the toilet seat up the little bollocks, so I think he gets in trouble. I, I, for I that say he's a splasher. I say he's a splasher. <laughs> I say the floor is a disaster. Oh, uh, do you know what? Like, I actually, I, I am now convinced, I'm convinced after this conversation that uh, it's not actually anything to do with Jurgen Klopp because it's not Jurgen Klopp. I think your Space Jam theory is correct, except I imagine it's some sort of MI6 psyop and halfway through the season, uh, the what remains of the season, um, we're going to see uh, Sam Allardyce and Phil Brown emerge, have removed, have removed their Jurgen Klopp and Pep Linder's masks. And we'll understand that it was a big Phil Brown giving an old team talk in the middle of the pitch. No problem, yeah, like, lads. Uh, no problem. I've proper, got this. <laughs> proper Linder's style, you know. Uh, so we should wrap this up or get close to wrapping up in terms of the details of the match, Jim, because let's give you an opportunity to talk about a absolutely horrendous concession as well. Um, so soon after the, or immediately after the, the goal, is conceded there's something resembling an effort on our part a, a wonder cross with the outside of the foot from trent um and ox sort of decides to fall over in slow motion towards us when it's there to be finished and he ends up with the weakest header i've ever seen um just doesn't seem to commit to it properly or gets caught flat-footed or something. 58 minutes, Lalana has a poor effort after some decent play again by Ferguson and Matoma, who were outstanding, both of them, specifically the Japanese lad. Um, Gakpo put in a half-decent cross in 61 minutes. I feel so sorry for this lad because he must be 
what is going on here. 63 minutes, Matoma um, does Trent up like a kipper and hits one at Ali. 63 minutes as well. Trent then upset about that, takes his revenge on Ferguson over on the touchline and picks up a yellow for it. I think that's three for the Reds at this stage. On I six- know how we felt when you did that. I remember thinking, I know how you said. <laughs> I think all of us wanted to go in two foot and someone at that point. Uh, 65. Uh, Veltman uh, is brought on for uh, Ferguson and Welbeck for Lalana. Uh, then we do our subs on 67 minutes, just to emphasize the point Dave made after we scored it, they scored their goal on 52. Uh, so 50, 67 minutes, we bring on Doak, uh, we bring on Harvey Elliott, Joe uh, Gomez, and Nabi Keita. Fab goes off, Joel goes off, Hendo goes off, as does Ox. And Naby gets straight into it, plays uh, Cody in on 71 minutes. Doak and Elliot pressing, like you said earlier on, Jim, it's uh, refreshing to see a little bit of something resembling who and what we have been for the entire era under Jurgen. Uh, 76 minutes, Harvey cut in and, and pulled a shot hopelessly wide of the near post when um, it seemed it would have been easier to get it on target, but at least, again, effort. 77 minutes, a decent ball in by Trent again to Gakpo, but he gets kind of smothered out of it uh, between defender and goalkeeper. Doak looked bright in that period as well, uh, coming back and harrying um, them in in his in in our half, our defensive half, and then carrying the ball forward and stuff like that it was good to see. Um, Ali, fantastic against a Stupinian at one point on the near post, on his right-hand post. And it looked like, okay, some trace of something. Maybe we can get a goal back and it won't be just as awful. And as I'm thinking that, Welbeck uh, has it in the net. Uh, a throw-in, Jim. A freaking throw-in opens us up. It's a diagonal throw-in um, from the right flank. Uh, There's a flick on. I can't. I couldn't see in the replay who it was that got the flick on. Uh, Welbeck does one of these Gaza-style touch in the air over uh, the defender who's on rushing. Um, uh, Joe Gomez, I think it was. And then as it's coming down, he switches to his other foot and hammers it in. It's a great goal. Fair play to the kid. Really well yeah. taken. Great goal for but he's Welbeck. But he, yeah, he's he's Danny fucking Welbeck. The point, like, and I think that he, I think Danny Welbeck has he, he has one goal in about seven years, and and of course, you know what's uh, worse though about the, the the actual well, no, there's nothing worse than the goal itself, but you know what kind of compounds the goal when he flicks that ball over Gomez's head, just as he's about to shoot, he kind of glances to his left. He could have just squared the ball to Matoma as well. Yeah, for it happened, yeah. yeah. Standing there with nobody anywhere close to him because yeah. all of our defences are shambles. Yeah, and, and, and that's it, Jim, because the only other things I have after that are they bring on Sarmiento in 82 minutes and they cut us open another, at least once more uh, between that and the end. It was so easy for them all the time. Uh, Klopp's quotes about the, that being the worst game, that you can't think of a worse game. I mean, you, we, we seem to be in complete agreement here, Jim. It, it, it was a horrendous showing in almost all aspects of the game from us. I'm clutching at straws there to try and pick a few little positives out because I know people listening will not want a total doom fest but like we can only work with what we're given and they didn't give us much Jim no I mean the only crumbs I can think of is there was 
Um, there was a little moment where I think Gakpo had got the ball in and Salah headed it on. And if we'd had a third third forward on the pitch, if we'd had enough forwards to play, maybe, 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 you know, in, in our old sort of incarnations under Klopp that, you know, one of our forwards gets it to another of our forwards who knows the other forward will be there waiting to pick that up and score. So there's that, there's that sort of, there, there is still some potential in, in this team, but it's, it's, um, it's crumbs of potential. And I think one thing, one thing I can remember about the goal from Welbeck is just before that, like a minute before that, there's a shot of the bench and of Milner putting his coat back on. And I'm thinking it's sort of as if Milner's saying, even I can't fucking start this out. And he's putting his <laughs> coat back on. He's like, I'm going to see if I can beat the traffic now, get off home, see if there's an Uber. Cause I fucking shit. This is just shit. And then a minute later, that goal goes in, which is just, it's just laughable. And I think, I think what frustrated me most about the goal was if we'd have lost 3-0 because they'd scored on the break after we'd really been starting to hammer them and get back into it and finally, finally show some some will, which, to be fair, we did. We were showing some sort of effort and some sort of will in some places, like the young lads, as we've said. If that was why we'd scored, because they'd just been on the break and got one, caught us out. It was from a throw-in. We had time to get back and get organised, but we can't organise, you know, and... The, the trouble is, everyone is going to try and find one thing wrong and say, that's what we need to fix. You know, whether it's the manager, whether it's the board, whether it's the owners, whether it's the director of football, this player, that player, the other player. The truth is, there's so many things wrong with us that we just, you know, where do you start? And, but maybe, maybe Klopp is where you start. I, I feel awful trying to say that kind of thing, but someone needs to have a word with him. Um, but yeah, there is, there are little glimmers of hope. And I think, you know, that, that Doak, uh, cameo w- was one of those glimmers. And when he was on the pitch, Cody seemed to be a better player, whether that's a coincidence or not. I don't know. Um, you know, so again, a glimmer of hope. If Darwin was fit, you know, we can start going like that, you know, but my God, will someone sort the midfield out? I, I'm going to come back to you for sum up thoughts to finish the show in a second I see we've been recording for just over an hour at this point and um, I want to give you a chance to to, 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 to to wrap the show up I'm going to get your final thoughts Dave now um, because honestly you know we, we can go round and round the circles on this game but there is a bigger bigger holistic issue here and we need to kind of address that and, and that's kind of where I want you to bring it as, as we're going towards the end here Um because clearly there's, I, I actually, I saw someone say, <laughs> I saw Dave Davis say, uh, basically the only way to fix this situation is the transfer market. And I find it hard to argue. And as we're recording, um, I know actually Guy has pinged a link there or some, something about in the chat, but I had noticed that just before that, um, Chelsea, um, I've, I've bought that Mudrick fella who had been linked with Arsenal for ages for somewhere in the region of a hundred million. And look, I'm, not suggesting that we go bananas, but God almighty, it just adds to the absolute um, negativity and grimness of the feeling about everything that other people are, are just spunking money against the wall, left, right and center. Lads who are actually behind us in the league, although they probably won't be after this round of fixtures. And we're just... Eh. And we're looking at bemused faces and shrugged shoulders and I can't think of a worse game type comments. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like Jim says, Dave, like some somebody needs shaking. Maybe all of them do. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. 
Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Uh, sorry, uh, this Mudrick deal has thrown me for a loop here. Uh, it looked like Arsenal had that deal pretty close to getting done. Um, and Chelsea have just jumped in and gazumped them as Todd Bowley is wont to do. Uh, this is, it's many ways hilarious because this guy, nobody was talking about him in the summer. Uh, he was linked with a move to, I want to say it was AC Milan, but it could have been Inter Milan for about 15 million euro. He had a really good five game run in the Champions League. Um, and this seems to have been what sparked this ridiculous glow up. Uh, that's an outrageous fee. But that now, inclusive of the money they have guaranteed Leipzig for Nkunku next summer, that brings Todd Bowley's spending since taking over at Chelsea in the summer to around 500 million on players. Plus another 40 million to sack Thomas Tuchel and his staff and hire Graham Potter and his staff. So about plus, 500 million. Plus, plus what he spends on buying the club. Yeah, plus the 2.5 billion he spent. Well, that's, that's Clear Lake's money more than his. But yeah, hmm. I mean, this, they're only in the door and, and they're already, that's a bigger net spend in seven months than we have since. I believe since FSG took over, that could be wrong. It's certainly bigger than Jürgen's net spend since Jürgen took over. Um, I'm not sure if they believe that that will solve their issues, but he's a very talented player and I'm looking forward to seeing him in the league. Uh, but they are 10th in the league and they do have very many problems. They've spent all that money. They still have Kepa in goal and no recognised striker. And their midfield is almost as bad as ours. Would be as bad, but they do have Kovacic, who's still a special player. Um, what I hope that means is that they're not going to buy a midfielder in this window. Because the midfielder they've been linked with in recent days is the midfielder we need most. And that's the man we saw today making a mockery of our midfield, Moises Caicedo. Now, we need to have somebody staying in Brighton tonight and not fucking leaving until they've done a deal for that lad. Now, I don't care what it costs. There's money allegedly put aside for Jude Bellingham. Bin that idea completely and get this kid because this kid fixes more of our problems. Jude Bellingham's a wonderfully talented player. Moises Caicedo 
is what we need, though. He is Ginny and Fab in one player. And today he showed it with his ball winning, won twice as many tackles as anybody on the pitch. His passing was exceptional. His composure, his physicality, his reading of the game. He made one mistake in the entire game. He misjudged the bounce of a ball. That's it. Everything else was flawless. He didn't look tired. Didn't look tired. Didn't look tired at all. <laughs> he was he was still chugging along while we were just running on empty. Look, I began by saying, are we sure these players haven't stopped playing for Jurgen? Or or are they just burnt out? But there's another option here as well. Is Jurgen just burnt out? Have they stopped playing for him? Has the message stopped getting across? Because he himself is no longer able to get the message across. When he was at Dortmund, he burnt out. That's why he left. He burnt out. He knew he was no longer the right man to take that club forward. So it may well be that the players have stopped playing for him because they're not getting from him what they need. Again, this is pure speculation on my part. I'm not saying that this is the case. I'm just looking for answers here. I'm speculating because I don't know. Because this is not the team we have watched year in and year out under him. This is not the manager we have watched year in and year out. But what I know is that something needs to change. Because as we currently speak, just to piss on everybody's chips just a little bit more, we have now dropped to ninth in the league because Brentford are currently beating Bournemouth 1-0. And they now go above us. We're ninth in the league. 18 games played, only 28 points. Six defeats already. Six defeats. Now, in 2021, we went through a spell where we were awful. But remember, on at Christmas, we'd been top of the league. Even after Virgil and Joe got hurt, we stayed top of the league for a few more weeks. Then we fell apart, and then we came back at the end of the season. But you could point to what was wrong. We had no centre-backs. They all got injured. Jürgen could use that as the excuse. All our defenders are injured. So, as a result of that, I'm having to put midfielders in the defence. So now our midfield is struggling. So we could look at it and say, that's why our midfield and our defence was poor that year. When both of them are poor, the likelihood is your front three are going to be poor because they're not going to get the kind of service and support that they require. But, as I said, today's team is eight of Jürgen's first choice 11. Eight of them. And one of those coming in is probably the 12th man, Ibu or Matip. So you've got nine of his 12 best players there, ready to go. Like, there's something gone very wrong. And we will get Darwin back, hopefully for the next game. I think it was the right decision not to play him today if there was any sort of risk. And I don't think he needs to be motivated. I think he just comes with that type of mindset where he's self-motivated. I think the same is true of Luis Diaz. Now, it will be a few more months before we get him back. But I think he's the same. And I think in the first half of the season, before he got injured, he was lifting us on his back at times. 
and helping us win games because he is self-motivated. But there's something wrong with this with this team. There's something wrong with the coaching staff. There's a, a malaise in general has set in. And like I say, whether that's that the players are burnt out, whether that that's, that's Jürgen is burnt out, or whether the players have just stopped listening. I don't know which of the three it is. I don't know which of the three I want it to be. I don't know what the path out of it is. If Jürgen is still Jürgen and wants to rebuild the team and just like literally take a chainsaw to the squad and get rid of people, it would be very out of character. And I also don't know that I would fully trust him to do it, but purely because I haven't seen him do it before because he couldn't do it at Dortmund. And that's when he decided to walk away. I think my my preference would be we get in a really high-end director of football. Jürgen goes back to ceding a little bit of control on transfers to that person, lets them make more of the personnel decisions, stops involving himself in contract talks, and lets them be the one who's the bad guy. Let's, let's them do what Michael Edwards used to do and, and be the bastard as far as the players were concerned. Um, and, and we get back to, you know, whatever we want to be with, with a, a sizable regeneration of the squad in the summer. Mm. But I mean, again, I, I, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me one bit if Jurgen's already thinking of the exit. If he's already having talks with people about maybe this is my last year. Because he did it at Dortmund. He had time left in his contract. I think he had 18 months left. He went to them and said, look, at the end of this season, I'm gone. I'm not the man for this job anymore. He will know. I'm only, like I said, I'm only speculating. He will know before anyone whether or not he needs to leave the job. He will be the one who knows that before anyone else. Because he is very self-aware. He is very aware of who he is. I, I say that while I'll also say I don't think he fully realizes how fucking good he is. And I don't think he realizes that he's not the one who's lucky to manage these players. These players are lucky to be managed by him. Because for some of them, he's given them a career that otherwise they would never have had. Now, some of them would have been great regardless, but for others, they never, ever, ever would have reached the level that he has elevated them to. We're playing like a team that doesn't know how, that's forgotten how good we are. Because as much as we can slag some players off, there's still a core of some absolutely amazing players. I mean, Mo Salah, does he remember how good he is? Doesn't look like it, does he? You know? Mm. That's like Virgil didn't look like he knew how good he was. Trent seemed to have lost that confidence that just he exuded for years, that swagger that he had. Fabinho doesn't seem to realise. The one who I think still knows I'm just fucking better than everyone else here is Thiago because he's because from the age of six, whatever pitch he walked onto, he was generally the best player. And barring his time at Barca because he played with Iniesta and Messi and Busquets and Xavi and these old timers who he could more than hold his own with. I don't think he's ever set, set foot in a pitch and looked around and thought, Oh, he's better than me. I don't Maybe. think that's ever happened to him. 
maybe he was out getting his head shaved the day that the entire club was space jammed and then came back the next day to face. I thought, what the fuck? What's, I left Bayern Munich here? for this. <laughs> uh, I've got to wrap it up. So, Dave, uh, you've mentioned a lot of things there. Uh, uh, the most salient thing for me there was like, yeah, I don't know which of those options you raised. I wanted to be either, but it's interesting. Certainly, it means you have a lot of topics and food for thought for the various things coming up this week. Remind people what they are if they're new to us. Uh, there'll be two footed every day. There's uh, daily red every day. I I launched a new pod on the um, it's on the Pro Plus brand. Um, launched a new pod might be a bit strong. It's me and Grizz Khan. Um, the 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 decade long um, beef, I suppose, is over. And uh, we released the first pod during the week. I, I thought it went well. All the feedback seems to be fairly good. Uh, so we'll have another one coming up this week. Uh, I have a new article up on AnfieldIndex.com that I wrote yesterday uh, about the midfields, kind of foreshadowed the shit that we would see today. And at some point, I am just going to take an entire day and of two-footed and dedicated to Evan Ferguson because what a man, what a fucking man. And if he wasn't running Liverpool backline ragged, he'd probably be starting out for the Mead senior football team uh, as we get going under Colm O'Rourke. So, uh, yeah, that's that's basically. Oh, there'll be scouted and there'll be whatever else. There's also the Buzz podcast. And this week I am going to do a Buzz podcast. It may just be me on my own. Because getting guests at the minute with everybody been busy getting back to work whenever is a bit of a pain in the hole. But that's coming. There's going to be a multitude of different guests as we go forward. But uh, the first one might just be me on my own, but it'll be this week as well. What's the topic? For the buzz? Yeah. Whatever anyone wants. If, if, if you've got a movie that you've watched or a TV series that you've watched or are watching and you want to come on and talk about it, let yeah. me know. I- I'll do it with you. You just let me know what we're talking about. I'll do it with you. There you go. Just outstanding, outstanding. Right. Uh, so that's a guy wants us to do it on being Liverpool. <laughs> I was, I'm, I was in being Liverpool, so you're not. Being <laughs> you were in being Liverpool. Oh god, what I love Jim, it. Do you when know who was in the three envelopes? Together. That's the big un, 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 unanswered question. <laughs> uh, Jordan uh, Henderson. <laughs> The Brenvelopes. Let's get it right. Brenvelopes. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's finish then, Jim, with your own. If, if you want to summarise any ideas you have, and do let people know if there's anything coming up from yourself as well. Yeah, well, do then. I'll just quickly go through a few things I just wrote down while Dave was talking. First of all, I think Cody's going to be at Chapel Street first thing Monday morning with his money, trying to give his money back so we can go back over to <laughs> home. Um, and in kind, you know what? Right I'll just fold the dresser, flight behind open. <laughs> <laughs> I can just you go to Chapel Street Monday morning you'll you'll get an autograph. Um Brighton are good. You know, we've got to say that as well. As bad as we were, Brighton are actually good. Um surprisingly good. Um That's which cool. means our Brighton should Brighton be our new Southampton, the team on the South Coast, we go and raid for mm. players. Um that hundred million pound Chelsea, it's just so hard to compete, which kind of um takes me back to where I'm saying that we maybe it isn't just about money, it's about using money wisely because um it's not all about money. Ask Everton. Um, and there's always Everton, no matter how bad it feels, there is always Everton. Um, as tired as we look today, I'm trying to look at positives. We've never once looked like we had Joe Cole on the pitch. Um, 
this is a huge job for Klopp. It may well be that he's under shitloads of pressure that none of us could ever imagine. Um, but you know what? FSG, you're making it worse with all of this uncertainty. So as we said early on, um, I mean, um, Trev had a much better way of putting it, but either sell or stay, but tell us which and stop messing us about. Um, I think I think uh, Dave was saying like Klopp's got maybe his favourite nine players were available today. In all honesty, though, he needs eighteen of them so he can switch mm. them round. And again, it's about what the hell's going on that he's not got the eighteen to switch between. There should be some positions where he's really, really torn on which one to play because they're both so good. Whereas at the moment, it's probably shit. Which one am I going to have to shove into that space because there's no one anywhere near good enough? Will he be allowed to rebuild it? Do we even know we need to? As a club, do we realise that we need to rebuild? I'm not sure we do. I don't um, think we do. I don't think we do. The other thing we, we, we kept saying about manager in, in decline, about players being in decline and getting to decline somewhere else, maybe, maybe that is the thing. The club maybe he's hit that point now. Um, and it's, it's happened before, as Dave says, where... You know, it's it's time to sort of go and be some go and do that somewhere else. I feel awful saying it, and I think we've got to do a lot more before we just get rid of Klopp because all we'll be doing is changing the person that comes in and deals with all the shit that's still quite clearly going on at this club. Um, why don't we try Trent in midfield? Really? I mean, are we are we? Is it not worth at least giving him a go? That's a question. Um, if we're so short on players and we can't go and spend money, could we at least give him a try? And yeah. I think if you do need cheering up, Scouser Tommy's myself and Jay were joined by Tony Evans this week and hopefully next week as well. Um, we went, I mean, there was a bit that wasn't so, so cheerful. Fan safety's really, it said again, Hillsborough of all places in the news again over fan safety. And yeah, we do definitely discuss that, as you can imagine. We also, of course, discuss Everton. There's always something about Everton to cheer you up. And there's a bit about some LFC recruitment. LFC have been recruiting. Um, we've saw that we've seen the advertisement and we talk about that. Um, maybe not a position you want us to recruit for particularly, but have a listen and see what you think. And maybe even apply for the job because the job's still going. But that's it. That's it from me. Um, I will be back soon on, well, Scouts and Tommy's later on in the week. Plenty for you to distract yourself with, folks, when uh, Jim and Dave are doing their thing. You should be listening. Always worth your attention. Um, I'll try and do my end as well. Myself and Jan will do a show. Myself and Dave will absolutely be doing a transfer show. Dave Davis, no two ways about that. I've just talked um, poor Hendrick into a corner here and volunteered myself for Buzz. So we will keep the podcast coming and in them we will try to distract you with, um, as I think we've done here, with not just gloomy for the sake of it nonsense, trying to talk about the situations as they are. Uh, we don't hold back though on this show, that's why it's called Raw. I've been Trev Downey, that was Jim Boardman and Dave Hendrick, Guy Drinkle produced. We'll be back with you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.